Welcome to the Self-Made Expert Podcast. I'm your host, Philip Morgan, and I love speaking with people who are cultivating economically valuable expertise outside the world of academia and the licensed professions. Some of these conversations end up on this podcast. You can learn more about my work helping indie consultants build an expertise moat at philipmorganconsulting.com. Kyle Bowen, welcome to the Self-Made Expert. Thank you, Philip. Glad to be here. Why don't you ask me the questions? No, I'm kidding. I, I, I'll drive things a little bit, but why don't you start by saying who you are and what you do? Uh, I am Kyle Bowen, principal at Super Helpful, a consultancy for cultural organizations focused on progress-based research. So I help cultural organizations create more innovative and inclusive organizations through progress-based research. I think you're going to have to define progress-based research. I think we will get there. I just made a note on my whiteboard. Um, This podcast used to do a lot of uh, inquiry into the specialization decision, and I feel like folks have maybe gotten enough of that. (laughs) But also, you have a pretty interesting journey of or that's taking you to where you are now because you were not always focused on the museum space uh how why why museums yeah well to to back up a step i fully expect you to to ask what on earth that progress-based research means yeah that's the question that i always get um so that's fine we could talk about that good um but your question is how did i get from wherever it was i was before to here yeah, I, I mean, folks listening will detect that you and I know each other. Um, you've been in the mm-hmm. expertise incubator program for a while. And so I know you weren't always focused on museums. Why museums right. and how? Yeah, so let's see. I um, briefly, I uh, went to school for painting, actually. I went to grad school um, many years ago in Boston, came down to New York and started working um, in sort of design. I was working with, um, spent a number of years working with nonprofits in design and communications, sort Mm -hmm. of. So um, during that time, I, as I put one foot in front of the other, started uh, working independently with some uh, sort of freelance clients in the nonprofit space, which obviously is very broad, healthcare, education. And after doing that for a number of years, sort of, sort of helping with helping clients with website design and, and copy and things like this, I realized that, you know, I wanted to focus more Mm. and I had started working with a number of, uh, just a handful of, of clients in what at that time I was calling the, it was some terribly forced name that I had come up with. What was it? Uh, Visitation-based membership organizations. So obviously museums are are visitation-based membership organizations, um, but it also included things like um, like a gym or a um, uh, art house theater or, you know, things like this. So, right. so I was, I was interested in this type of organization because there was so much rich complexity that I saw, you know, you had, you had membership, you had, um, sort of 
money changing hands online, in person. You had a service design piece. There was just so many complex challenges. And being nonprofits, you know, you need to raise money and mm -hmm. donors and all these sorts of things. And so I just became, just kind of followed my interest and um, started interviewing some people and learning more about the space and then just kind of made a declaration that I would focus on helping museums and similar cultural organizations. Why museums out of that group of options? Yeah, it's a good question. So, and I'll just use what I just, just referenced, like, okay, so uh, other, what are other ones, you know, so like mm -hmm. the gym, right? Yeah. There's, there's a place where you visit, there's a membership, but you know, I've always, I've always loved working with nonprofits that had, had, that were mission driven, right? Yeah. I mean, that's what nonprofits are. And I loved the sort of educational focus of museums. Basically, I, I had little interest in simply helping a business like turn a buck, right? Get yeah. more members or something. Yeah. And I kind of fell in love too with the people who work at museums. They are a, a special breed. And I mean that in, in genuinely, you know, they are progressive individuals, generally speaking, obviously this is all generalizations, but sure. you know, they're, they're progressive. They're trying to make a dent, a meaningful dent in the world for good. And so, you know, that's ultimately like, that's what, and I, I guess I could have, you know, uh, focused on like libraries or something like that, or, you know, but I mean, that's yeah. really a cultural organization, but, um, yeah. You know, that that's kind of at the core for me. There's an there's a, if you picture sort of a Venn diagram, you know, helping people is a, an important part of it. Right. Um, and helping those organizations be successful or viable using the the skills that I have um, felt like a worthwhile endeavor. Yeah. Do you still paint? I really do not. Okay. Um, I, I'm looking at the, the lyrics to an Aesop Rock song called Rings. He, ta he talks about going to art school and, you know, like having to admit that he doesn't do that anymore. Like that's a thing from his past. Um, mm -hmm. that, so that's the case for you. He's also singing, rapping, whatever about you. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Well, it's funny because when you say that, I realize there's... um. A little bit of still a little bit of resistance in me to say that no i don't do that because it, that was such a part of my identity for so long that it still feels a little bit like i don't know if failure is the right word or a, a giving up or a letting go i mean letting letting go seems like the more neutral or maybe even positive connotation yeah yeah i mean and I think I, you know, I mean, it makes me think like, well, in a sense, I'm, I'm kind of a late bloomer, you know, I'm in my early forties. Um, I say that cause I genuinely don't know if I'm 42 or 43. Oh, um, welcome to the club. I'm like, yeah. am I 47? <laughs> I have this and I have, feel like I have to do this arcane math. I just, I don't track time. Uh, and I wonder why that is. I think there's something else going on there anyway. You might be in your early forties. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, so I think, I think being a, a sort of late bloomer or someone, you know, cause I, I kind of declared a focus on museums just maybe three years ago. 
something like that. Mm -hmm. So, so, you know, um, but I think that that was slow to come because um, I was holding on to that artist identity for so long. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, you know, like I still do draw and things. It actually uh -huh. comes out in my newsletter, my uh, website. I, I do sort of illustrations, I guess, but yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, did, did you have to grieve letting go of something that you'd made into an identity? The painting, I mean? I'm not sure, but now that I think about it, you know, there's been a gradation of resistance maybe to, like I can remember now that I think about it, maybe, I don't know how many years ago, but feeling like I would do anything to avoid being in a situation where someone would ask me about my painting or something uh -huh. because uh -huh. it wasn't because it it was either faltering or i wasn't doing it or you know like so so i would avoid people that i knew um that were that kind of knew me in that capacity and and so i don't know if that's grieving but i i do know that to, to whatever degree consciously or not i would avoid those circumstances because i didn't want to face that myself Jonathan Stark on his email list, I don't know, last night, this morning, um, sometime while I was sleeping, <laughs> sent an email about <laughs> some collector who'd paid zillions of dollars for a, for a nickel that was collectible. And I think I saw that, yeah. Yeah, he talks about how that's a, a signal to a group, to a social group. And I hear you saying, you've supported this change, it probably... I'm putting myself in your shoes and imagining it not being super conscious or planned out, but you sort of supported this change by, um, through the social stuff, meaning you, you disconnected or decoupled from people who would expect the old, the old version of Kyle so that the new version could come into being. That's a, maybe a more poetic way of saying it than it really felt like, but was that some of what was going on? Oh, I think half of it's true, at least. I think the, the avoidance was there. I don't know if it was like, <laughs> you know, like when I said earlier, putting one foot in front of the other, you know, the meaning there being that like you don't, there's not a plan or it doesn't, in, in hindsight, it doesn't look like there's a plan or feel like there's a plan to me, certainly. Um, but, you know, I guess there is an arc sort of. But so so I would say that there was definitely the avoidance without maybe anything that I was consciously working towards, Yeah. I know. And yeah, I, I just like to think maybe it's just a nice story I tell myself. I like to think that there's some part of us, maybe we're not aware of it, that is looking forward and saying, well, I need to do this. You know, it's it's painful. It's uh, it's a loss of identity and maybe of meaning, but you know, it needs to happen. So the first step is I'm, I'm not going to try to tell these people that I am who I used to be. Yeah. What's progress space research? So I realized I was about to launch into the way I usually define it. And for your audience, I'm not sure. I tell you what, I'm going to do, I'm going to talk about it the way I usually do and we'll see if it, it applies. So yeah, my audience, I'm, my audience is smarter than you and I put together. Just so that's, you know. that's true. That's true. That's true. <laughs> but usually when I start talking about it, I, I, I'm talking with someone who is in the museum realm. Uh -huh. And so I say, you know, you're familiar with evaluation, evaluative research. Um, and they will say, 
yes, right out of the gate. Okay. Um, uh, so in in the museum world, you know, evaluation is a well established uh, sort of practice, um, which involves you know uh, any number of research methods, but you know, surveying visitors, observation, time tracking, you know, ways of studying people who are quote unquote engaging with the museum's offerings okay. today or have recently done so. So I start there, I say, you know about that. And I say, yes. And you know, then I say, well, so progress-based research is sort of, it's not focused on who's engaging with the offerings today. Uh, it is focused on people's goals. So, you know, what, we, what we're focused on there is understanding people's uh, goals, whether they are achieving those goals with the museum and its offerings today or some other means, right? So as an example, to make this a little more concrete, uh, let's say it's an art museum and we're talking about the audience is art students. Mm -hmm. An art student has some homework they need to get done. They might go to the museum or turn to the museum's resources, whether visiting or visiting the website, their you know, collections online um, to complete that homework. Or they could go, I don't know, maybe to Wikipedia or go search YouTube right. or you know, those sort of, go to the library. So with progress research, we're trying to understand people's goals and, and at a few different levels. So if we're talking about that art student, we're talking about their end goals, right? Their end goal is to complete homework, but their more fundamental goal is to become a successful artist. Mm -hmm. um, so we try to use this kind of research to understand people, but also there's a there's a, I don't know if I want to call it secondary, but there's another goal, which is like, you know, it's very different to design or create offerings to support people who need to get homework done uh -huh. than it is to support people who are trying to become successful artists. Right. Right. The thing you would create, the content in the museum or the program you would develop is very different if you're trying to support a student getting this short-term thing done versus a person who might be a student, like a college student, or they might be like a 70-year-old retiree. Mm -hmm. You know, like that's very different. And so the the research is, it's about understanding people, but it has this potential effect of helping the organization understand, dig a little bit deeper into the why of what they're doing. It sounds like it complicates things also. And I'm not trying to be intentionally uh, contrarian, but I am, a, I think, able to imagine being that, that person who is, we'll just simplify it and say there's like one decision maker at this museum, like as if mm -hmm. it's run by one person, right? And it seems like they're going to get information from a different perspective than they're used to through this kind of research. And they're going to f feel like they had a picture in their mind of who the museum served before doing the research. And that picture was like 
three people and now it's 30 different kinds of people. Mm. What am I hearing that right? Am I empathizing with them correctly or you know what what does it do to the complexity of how they think about things? Certainly there's the potential to uncover what you what you don't know that you didn't know. What you didn't know that you don't know. Right. I, I'm not sure if I'm framing that right, but <laughs> But yeah. Um, oh, the unknown unknowns. There we go. The that unknown unknowns. Thing. Fancier, yes. doesn't it? Yes. Thank you. Yeah. So, so I'm going to just, this is recency here, but I'll, I'll use another example, to hopefully to make things a little concrete. So I was doing a, an interview, I mean, a listening session, an interview, whatever you want to call it for this uh, historic house. Um, and we're trying to understand people's motivations in visiting the grounds of the historic house. So they have this, this amazing, beautiful property. And of course, the organization tends to be focused on all its responsibilities around preservation, you know, telling the stories of the house, education around the house and these things like this. Um, and then, you know, it's like, well, what about the property? Like there are people who have who are coming to visit this place all the time uh, who never set foot inside the mansion, never go on a tour, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and so just the other day I was doing a listening session with one of those individuals and it you know we sort of emerged that one of the goals this person has is longevity, right? They are avid trackers of like their physical activity, you know? So this mm-hmm. person goes and walks around the grounds and like, you know, is tracking all their, their footsteps and, you know, is mindful of their health and things like this. And um, so that that's kind of an example of like, the organization wouldn't, doesn't typically think in terms of like, oh, we're a, we're a way that people can achieve their objectives around longevity leading living a long life right right, right. but that's how this person in, in a sense i mean they you know it, it kind of came out over time in the course of our conversation um but that is what why they're going in a sense yeah that's a long way of trying to answer your question but i'm reminded of something called ashby's law of requisite variety which among other things, it's just fun to say. Um, <laughs> it it comes out of you know, like the world of technology and computers and cybernetics. My sort of layperson's understanding of this is the system that uh, controls or manages something needs to be able to encompass all the variety that's happening in the, the larger system that it interacts with. Otherwise, it just doesn't have the required amount of, uh, like, ability to respond to unexpected things. Like, you know, you think of this quest for self-driving cars and how, you know, the diversity of situations that a car could encounter while traveling down a road is immense. And so the system controlling the car, if it's a human, you know, we have past experience to draw on and we have, you know, kind of flexibility and using fuzzy heuristics to sort of figure out what to do, what's the safe thing to do, what's the right thing to do. Anyway, (laughs) I think about folks who are 
maybe you know finding through progress based research that the the thing that they are in charge of has like ten times as many functions as they're used to thinking about, and so it seems like it it would be a sort of a wake up to oh wow. I had no idea that people came here to this historic site for that purpose and that purpose and that purpose. And ideally, that's an improvement for them, trailing off suggestively. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, yeah, I mean, that's, and that, that goes back to what you were saying earlier, is like, it does potentially introduce a lot of complexity, you know, or, or at least more decisions to be made, right? It's like, well, okay, so you know, do we want to try to cultivate that huh. purpose of supporting people who want to live long and healthy lives? Right. Do we want to try to develop programs or, or even like signage or, you know, we're, we're still early in this project. So we're, you know, we're not in a place where we're trying to like create solutions around what, what we're hearing, but you know, I mean, you can imagine it's like, well, do we want to, now that we know that this is a purpose, do we want to do it? So, so you are introducing more choice, but you know, it is grounded in something <laughs> it's grounded in, in this, this research, this learning, right? It's not where so many organizations sort of typically take off, which is like, well, you know, organization B over there across the way is doing this. So maybe we'll try that. You know, it is grounded in the, the lived experience of people um, who are interacting with the organization today or looking for related solutions, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's, it, it seems like it would create this moment of maybe this, you know, happens in relationships that have worked well enough with some status quo, and then you get some new information. Oh, this, you know, this person on the other side of the relationship needs or wants this. I had not thought of that. Now I have a choice. <laughs> I can try to ignore mm. that new information and continue on, or I can adapt. Yeah, and and it's worth, I think, highlighting that deliberation or intentionality. You know, because with this, with progress-based research, we're kind of drilling down into fundamentals. So the, the flip side or the good news maybe is that if we identify a particular purpose, like we'll just keep using that longevity example, mm -hmm. you know, we can put that on the big purpose whiteboard and say, we are not going to expend resources on this purpose big X, right? And yeah. we will revisit this in three years to see if we want to continue not. Because, you know, I mean, three years from now, it's not like people have stopped thinking about longevity. Those people are still there. Yeah. Um, you know, so that there's something nice, I think, about that intentionality um, and having the confidence that we're looking at things that are not ephemeral. Kyle, I've, I've had this experience, which is embarrassing to admit, a little bit embarrassing, but also I think this is common. Here's what I'm wondering. How did you arrive at progress-based research? Let me tell you a short story. So as you know, I'm always advocating that folks like us find some area of uncertainty that's important to their clients and, 
and do small scale research to try to l reduce that uncertainty for their clients in a meaningful way. And I realized that one of the methods that I didn't have language for, but made sense actually is totally defined and a thing people do and they have language for it and they have processes. It's called grounded theory research. Mm. So it's kind of funny to, to realize that the thing, it's not the only method that I would advocate people use, but it's one that's particularly suitable to small data sets, uh, qualitative measures, interview-based uh, discovery of evidence. So it's, it's a great method and particularly suitable for this context. And it was just like both exciting to realize that this had already been sort of figured out uh, and also, you know, not humiliating, but like, oh, well, <laughs> maybe if I'd looked around, I could have found this sooner and been more helpful to people. How did you find progress-based research? You grew up in Kansas. I assumed that wasn't, you didn't study that in school. You studied painting. <laughs> How did you find out about progress-based research? Progress-based research is, well, so let me back up a step. So I was very, uh, um, coming out of grad school, I was, you know, came down to New York and started working with some organizations focused on sort of like, I guess, web design and like, you know, I've always enjoyed writing. So some like basic copywriting, stuff like that. And then I got, you know, more interested in, okay, so like we're, we're putting this stuff on the web and it's like, well, how are, what is it? What's the impact? Right. right. How are people interacting with this? So I started to get more involved with UX research and trying to understand like, okay, so let's look at analytics and let's run some surveys and, you know, these sorts of things and understand the existing customers or donors, et cetera. And it was sort of like a continuous upstream thing. It's like, okay, well, so we've kind of got this tool set of ways we can start to understand existing audiences or customers, et cetera. What about all the people who aren't, <laughs> who aren't making it to the website or uh -huh. aren't making it through the door or, you know, how can we understand them? And so, you know, that kind of led me to jobs to be done theory and exploring that more and more. And, and also certainly Indy Young, who is focused on problem problem space research uh -huh. and and for for a while i was actually you know framing it as problem space research because that's what it is uh -huh. but <laughs> but as i like as i was had so many conversations with different museum stakeholders and folks in museums you know the i realized that problem space research was a a problem uh, it was a misnomer in a way because people often wanted to assign like, well, these are the organization's problems. Let's talk about the organization's problems. And and problem-space research, as I understand Indy thinks of it and um, others, you know, it's, it's about the individual, the audience, the customer, their problem, what challenge they're pursuing. So the yeah. just the name problem space research was functioning like a red, red herring where maybe the mm -hmm. intent was to understand um, the users, customers, people, visitors, 
those who are being served, right? That's the intent. But people would hear pro and they would just would be like, yes, I would love to talk about my problems yes. as a museum. Is that what was happening? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and so, so it might be helpful too, to think about the, the spectrum here. So there's, you know, problem space and solution space and definitely go, if you, if you're not familiar with Indy Young, go, go check out her website and stuff. But, um, so there's the problem space and the solution space and in this solution space, you know, we're, we're thinking of ways we can serve people better. Right. And that's kind of like that UX space, right? It's like, well, here's our existing customers. How can we optimize and improve upon what we have with who we have? Right. Um, and then the problem space is like, whoa, 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 whoa. let's not worry about who we're, who we're serving today with the things that we have to serve them today. Let's think of the sort of bigger picture about what their fundamental goals are. Longevity, for example, or whatever the case may be. Mm -hmm. um, and, and then later we can come, come into maybe thinking up new solutions that we hadn't ever thought of before because we're so deeply immersed in their, their problem space. Um, so yes, but without all that depth of explanation, people quickly jump to, oh, well, we've got problems, you know, come let's talk about our problem space. Um, <laughs> and I was, and I, and I got, and I got to a point where I was like, no, 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 no. Like I, I can't keep explaining this. And now I'm in a different, a different situation here where, I mean, nobody knows what progress space is because I, I don't, I don't know if I, I. I don't want to say I invented it because no, I was going to ask that. Else. Did you? <laughs> and and I was I I thought maybe I'd miss. So Indy Young's uh, the language she uses to describe her work is problem space, right? Yeah. And you've tweaked that, and it's now progress space. And maybe you invented that, or are in some tiny minority of of folks using that language that that label. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean. There's nothing new under the sun, you know, so probably somebody else has, has used that, but, but, uh, I, I'm not aware of it. And so, okay. so I'm quick to, I'm, I'm definitely quick to like acknowledge that this is kind of a mutation or, a you know, like I'm quick to acknowledge where this is coming from that I, I owe a lot to, to Indy who I, you know, have studied with and stuff, but for our purposes in the community I run and the people that I, I work with and for problem space because became such a, a stumbling block that something new had to come in. And, you know, the reason I, I kind of focused on progress is because we are, it also has a positive connotation, yeah. um, you right. know, um, like, because, you know, there, well, that touches on another problem with problem space is, you know, that think about that person who's like, oh, you know, I really want to live a healthier life. I want to live a long and healthy life. And I'm going to do that by walking. And this place has these beautiful grounds. And so I'll walk through these grounds. Um, you know, they're, they don't have a problem. They, you know, they're trying to make some progress toward a goal, but it's not like they woke up with a problem that they need a solution to. So it's a little bit of a misnomer in a few different ways, I feel like. Yeah. Um, and progress somehow fits a little bit better for me. And and going back to, you know, 
museum culture sort of you know museums are generally filled with people who are who are looking to support people and and make a meaningful difference in people's lives and in our society so it was a better fit in a number of ways if we can get super detailed about that for a moment did you consider other labels other you know terminologies i could imagine you tried things like purpose research or something i don't know maybe you tried variations did you mm, yeah i mean there are sort there's sort of like a constellation of terms that i've i've used you know certainly i mean i guess i could i, I could have used some sort of like um twisted form of jobs to be done or something uh-huh. um purposes is a term that i'll, I'll use and certainly indie uses mm-hmm. um but goals are another one. So, you know, goal-based research or I don't know. I don't I don't recall if I really like made because sometimes I do. I'll make like a long list of like yeah. what's the best way to sort of frame this. Yeah. And I don't recall doing that, but maybe I did. What made progress space the the winner? And maybe there was no close second. Maybe that's what made it the winner. But maybe but really what put it over the top for you? Well, I think that there is that piece that of a positive framing. Okay. Right. There, that's a, that's an important part. Yeah. Is that there is a positive framing. So that for the culture can, that you're trying to bring this into, that that would be more resonant because of the culture. Maybe. I mean, you know, you, certainly there's been a lot of um, turmoil within the museum yeah. world uh, over the past year or two, and there's been a lot of. I mean, I don't want to call it negativity because it's so well-founded and warranted. Mm-hmm. Um, but pathos, I, I think, there's some pathos. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I think what it is, is it's not like, and it's not like, I oh, I want to, let's, let's put this like bright side this or something. Right. It's like going back to that fundamental value of we need to put ourselves in the person's sort of see through their eyes. They're here to make progress, not necessarily to solve a problem because, you know, I don't know. I mean, I, I call a plumber when I have a problem. I don't go to a museum. Right. Um, I'm, I'm here to make some more deeper progress towards some more fundamental purpose or life goal that I have that I may not even be able to fully articulate speaking as the, the visitor or so progress space research framing as progress helps recenter things from that person's perspective i think you know that i um find endlessly fascinating and i just so admire folks who are trying to sort of pull or push or attract or somehow move their their market somewhere like they are they're wanting to serve their markets known and recognized needs but maybe they're also doing a little bit of well let's let's solve this from this different perspective or let me try to get you to think about this differently so that you can be more effective in solving it and i see you doing some of that it seems like and and of course that's why i want to go into detail on the the actual challenges of introducing new terminology to a space Mm -hmm. what was the reception like when you started talking about this as progress space research rather than problem space research? Well, there was a, 
two things big uptick in what is that right <laughs> okay Whereas, that's the expected <laughs> response what's that well and but but i mean when i think about you know if i were to say problem space research to most museum professionals i don't think that they would know what that is either oh i see okay but like some of the response like it was it was a more muted response or it was like uh boy we've got a lot of problems you know like what i said before we've yeah. got problems um whereas now it's like what is that right so there's a little bit of curiosity and that wasn't like engineer i'm like oh let's be more mysterious um, right okay you know like yeah. not at all but so there's there's that i mean so i guess it's more of a a conversation starter and then there's just been less confusion i would say it's worked yeah it, it's done what you hoped in in at least in part it sounds like it has the the flip side of it is um because i i am not able to congratulate myself that much like the flip side of it is that you know people will i i have grown exhausted with the number of people who have asked like i will i i have a list of people who i need to reply to on linkedin with like a canned response of what progress space research is you know and uh so so like it's more obscure so that does create more sort of legwork in a way yeah i i think it's I mean, that's the cost of innovation, I think, is is um, some amount of education or definition or connecting with context, bridge building, right? Cognitive bridge building. Yeah, which is, you know, when you frame it that way, is like, oh, yeah, that's really important and valuable. And then on a, you know, Tuesday morning at 10 a.m., ask me how much I want to, you know... <laughs> repeat myself again um but but it's necessary but yeah like i it's hard for me to find the wherewithal sometimes to like preach the same gospel or something i don't know yeah i i feel this instinct to rush in with proposed solutions have you thought about recording a video and putting it on youtube i'm sure you have actually no i haven't thought of that <laughs> okay <laughs> i was to say oh my gosh i gotta write that down just record a 60 second video yeah i mean you know so so i i have like a sort of a newsletter intro right you sign up for the newsletter and you get like a three-day very quick intro to progress space research yeah that's a that's a bigger ask like sign up for this newsletter is a bigger ask than go watch this 60 second video yeah i i i think about this <laughs> stuff a lot uh, across you know, lots of different situations. How do you, how do you take a, a problem that your market recognizes and, and innovate around that problem? It, which it strikes me as that's, that's a fair description of what you're doing. You know, you've got this problem, you've seen the limitations of the yeah, mental models, kind of a faddish term. I don't think it's exactly a mental model, but people have these assumptions about what research could do to help them, right? But those mm. assumptions are problematic and you would you want to help folks drop the problems that come from that baggage so you have to come up with a new term. And I just think that's really fascinating because that's not something any of us learn in school, I don't think. Or we all skipped that class if, uh, if we do, if it was on the curriculum. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, they didn't teach that in painting um but uh 
You know, yeah, so so it makes me think, that makes me think about this kind of fundamental big picture problem that museums and cultural organizations face, which is long-term relevance, right? There are, there are shifting demographic patterns in the United States as, you know, people from from countries where museums are less accessible or less a part of their day-to-day lived, lived experience. And, you know, so they, they come and they raise children and, and there's a diminishing influence, right, that yeah. cultural organizations have. And there's kind of like, you know, I mean, that's kind of on at the back of people's minds, like there's, it's like that uncomfortable, um, little uncomfortable itch at the back of people's minds, right? It's like, what, what does this look like in 50 years? Mm-hmm. Um, and so this is, you know, when we talk about people's fundamental goals, this tugs at those strings a little bit. And so the, the invitation for this kind of research is to take a step back and kind of do this big picture, long-term thinking that, you know, a, as especially because of the pandemic, you know, everybody's in crisis mode, you know, certainly museums. Yeah. And so it's kind of a big ask, you know, it's like as much as there is an acknowledgement among people that I talk to that this is important, this is super relevant. When we look at things at a certain scale, a lot of work has to be done to get people to step back and look at the picture at that scale if that makes sense does your work depend on that kind of mindset about seeing the big picture seeing you know how do we maintain remain viable or thrive even in a really changing environment do people have to uh, think that way for you to be able to help them well so it's it's interesting because you know i mean going back to one foot in front of the other the pandemic hit and it became clear, you know, in spring of 2020 that museums are, are not going to be investing in big research projects, right? They're just gonna, yeah. they're going to try to keep the doors open. Uh-huh. And, you know, I had been writing to my newsletter and sort of hosting events and things for individuals. And again, this is all hindsight, um, but, you know, one foot in front of the other is like, okay, you know, it seems like I may be able to be of service to people on an individual level, Uh right? To sort of shift their perspective through a newsletter, through a community, through events. Um, You know, it became basically very important to find a way to make this kind of research and point of view like accessible without having to get the buy-in of 15 stakeholders, right? Uh-huh. And a big budget. So to answer your question, I mean, you, I, I've basically been trying to help people within organizations on a more individual basis. Like how can we, how can we like make a little bit of space for you to listen more closely to people who you might have not dismissed, but not focused on before, right? Right. How can I help you make space for that? So like sort of baby steps sort of thing. So I don't know if that answers your question. Sorry, I'm trailing off. I think this is really hard stuff. And it's it's so tempting to, you know, reference 
what I think was a sort of okay movie, uh, Inception. <laughs> Maybe folks, oh. you know, the idea being that you want to you want to change something, and you know, it's uh, predicated on this what you know this premise that you you could you know get someone thinking about in some really tiny subtle way thinking about something in advance of them actually making a decision or doing something and it would change the decision they make or the thing they do. And again, it's not the greatest movie, pretty cool looking, but a little Matrix-like kind of fits in that category. Yet, sometimes that's our work. (laughs) I, I hear a little bit of that maybe in what you're saying where, okay, the a market I serve entered a context where they just were not going to approve, you know, twenty, thirty, fifty thousand dollar research projects. How can the work of inceptioning <laughs> some mm-hmm. change that is in their best interest, as far as you can tell, it is done, you know, for for their ultimate good? How can you, you know, st- sort of like plant the seeds or fertilize the ground or whatever, so that that change still happens? Is that a fair reconfiguration um, of what you were saying? I love that analogy or comparison. Yeah, I, I um, totally gonna steal that. Yeah, that's such a, it's like a, a foot in the door or like a, yeah, just planting that seed, right? Um, trying to get a foothold, acknowledging the limitations and constraints that we face, but knowing that this serves a this serves the people in in a meaningful way right the people that you want to support and trying to get creative around how you can change what you do so that it creates the conditions you know that that supports greater and better change down the road or something yeah i've i've always thought of you as uh choosing this market for reasons of, you know, I'm interested or I, you know, I care about these people and I want to help like these sort of somewhat altruistic reasons. And, but, but starting as an outsider, and I don't think I knew that you had this background in, in fine art, let's call it, maybe you weren't a total outsider, but I, I see you coming in from the outside and establishing a position of some amount of authority within this market. Uh, am I seeing that right? If so, what was that journey like for you? Um, yeah, I think I, I, I still feel like a, an outsider. Um, you know, certainly like I, I have, I have made, connected with consultants and folks who have been serving museums for many, many years and, certainly feel like an outsider compared to them. And, and I do think I have a little bit of, I don't know if it's authority, but you know, there, there, there's some familiarity maybe with, with what I'm doing. And so I was actually, I'm stumbling because I was thinking about this along these lines earlier today, as I've gained a little bit of a voice in, in trying to support support these folks mm-hmm. um i've i've found myself becoming a little bit more of a vehicle in a way which is has been very interesting you know in that i've over this pandemic time i've you know started to invite guest writers 
to the newsletter and host events that really feature other people's thinking. And these are kind of like real learning opportunities for me. Um, so I get to use whatever small platform I've created to kind of bolster their, their voices, but also, boy, I, sometimes I learn some, I learn how little I know <laughs> listening to them, uh -huh. um, you know, so, um, like things that, you know, like, oh gosh, I said that six months ago, that was embarrassing or something, you sure. know, I've learned that from this person who I've hosted an event for, uh -huh. um, and, you know, so, so I don't know, I guess, I don't know about authority, but I guess as I've gained a little bit, like a foothold of authority, I've become more and more interested in how I can like hand off that authority to other people and kind of just be a conduit for other people's work, uh, which I was not expecting at all. Okay. So you're an institution. <laughs> <laughs> I knew that would get a laugh out of you. I mean, this is another thing I think about quite a bit is how how does something, for folks listening, you might hear the word institution and think of really big institutions. And that's a good starting point to start to say, well, what makes them institutions aside from their size? And so then it starts to become, you know, how people think about them or how groups of people think about them and what sort of ability they have to change things or keep things the same or, you know, then you start getting to the interesting questions once you set aside the size issue and you stop thinking of the institutions like the government, the press, you know, as these big monoliths mm -hmm. and you start looking at, well, what makes them an institution? I think the questions get really interesting. I, I think there's some similarity between what institutions do, how they function, and what you're describing, where, I mean, platform is honestly probably a better word, but I just couldn't help throwing in the, the I word because, again, there's, there's just something fascinating about how those function within a, a group of people, how institutions function. And it's a little bit what I hear you saying. You know, you're, one, you're providing a platform for other people. The audience that you have built up is available to these people yeah yeah you know it's interesting you it, it makes me think like um another i feel like so much of the stuff that i i'm working on now is like pandemic baby you know <laughs> child of the pandemic uh -huh. um but you know one of those a clarifying moment for me in in march of 2020 was when you know i had i was going to i was invited to lead a workshop at the museum leadership institute on audience engagement and it got canceled for obvious reasons. Mm -hmm. And it was in, it, it was because of that, that I realized it, it kind of initiated this question of why do I need, why, why do we need the Museum Leadership Institute? Why do people need to fly to Los Angeles to attend a workshop? You know, like it, it almost sounds a little bit arrogant in retrospect, I'm hesitant right. to say it, but it's like, I know all these smart people who who could be, you know, leading these things. Like, why do we need this storied institution and all the encumbrances of travel and, you know, expense and all these things? What if we tried to sort of like create something new from the ground up? 
did you feel an instinct to ask permission of anybody to implement that idea? No. I'm it, hesitant because I don't know who I would ask. <laughs> um, yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, is that is that an artifact of your your personality or the the kind of context that the museum world is? In other words, is it is the context a sort of uh, permission or forgiveness first <laughs> context? Yeah. Well, I've definitely always been one of those. You know, ask for forgiveness okay. first, or yeah. Um, but but that's your default. Like in terms of the. Yeah. What's that? That's that's your default. Got it. Right. Right. Yeah. Sorry, I've I've lost the question. Lost the thread. <laughs> oh, that no, no, that's totally fine. It's it's a little arcane, but I mean, for me, like that's a characteristic of a of an open or a closed system. Is closed systems? Mm -hmm. It's more, you know, if you have some insight into the system, you your first instinct would be, well, I mm -hmm. want to do this thing, but you know, who do I need to ask permission of, or who do I need to? And it's not like they're your boss and they could shut it down, but you would be thinking in those terms, who's going to be, whose turf am I stepping on if I do this thing? So that's, that's why I asked that question. And I'm just very curious to hear someone reporting back from that exact moment when you said, you know, this would really make things better for these people. Is your next thing to say, great, how do I do that? Or... Or is it, you know, who's going to be mad at me if I do this? Who, who's going to yeah. feel threatened? Yeah, I think my, you know, it took me like six months or so before I kind of acted on it. But I think that the the pause was more about like, how would I do that? Right. Than like, who yeah. who would I, you know, is this okay in some way? Because I think, you know, even as I hear myself say that, I have a an innate response to a question like that of like i don't need your permission at all and i'm gonna go <laughs> right. do this yeah. you know like as soon as as soon as i get a feeling like i need permission then i'm like oh yeah well watch this yeah. you know we'll see about um, that <laughs> yeah and and i mean following that i fall flat on my face or something but i'm like oh yeah well i can fall flat on my face and so you know yeah uh take that um yeah yeah right at least, at least I didn't have to lower myself to ask permission. Yeah. So you started a community. You have mentioned an email list. And I always love, like, sort of relaying some version of that story because in a, in a year or two, you went from unknown to much more known in this space. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know... I think it was two and a half or three years ago that I, I kind of kicked things off. And it was about that time that I started the, well, no, I started the newsletter before that. Anyway, um, the certainly I have encountered over the past six months, year, more and more instances where I encounter people who say, oh, yeah, I've heard about, super helpful. Oh, yeah, I, I, I've heard about MAP. Yeah. Uh, Museums' Progress. I've, you know those those things sort of um come in and um i guess are signals that you know things ripple out a little bit so it's re reassuring i suppose how do you know you've done enough of that building visibility what are you looking at that says this is enough this is working this is headed in the right direction this is the right speed this is too slow this is too fast 
again, I don't know that it's like a con like I don't know if I have those conscious measures, but I so Qualitative a few days ago measures are fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm hesitant to bring this up because it I I don't want to you know, yeah so so a couple of days ago I I text my my wife and um, because I got a message from somebody who said you know they had they had joined the newsletter because they're they're an MIT student uh-huh. and the the course that they were taking recommended it as a resource so that was super validating and and part of me was like <laughs> somebody made a mistake you know um, <laughs> there must have been a mistake <laughs> yeah yeah and so that was kind of the joke that i i texted over to christy but but you know like that is that tells me that maybe there's a little bit there there is at least an opportunity to shift the conversation a little bit in terms of how museums focus on understanding the people that they support that is a great place i think to to wind down even though i don't want to or feel like doing so <laughs> thank you kyle this this was great folks some some people will have some curiosity about what you're doing uh perhaps more for the reasons i'm always curious to talk to folks like you it's some sometimes it's about the content of your your expertise but a lot of times it's the contextual stuff you know how did you approach this or what does the thing you have built or the you know, the group or system of things you've built look like where can folks uh see what you're up to yeah so you can visit superhelpful.com which is the consultancy's website and then you can also visit museum progress.com which is where a lot of um our focus has gone over the past six 12 months as we've that's where you can find the newsletter and the information about the community and stuff again kyle thank you so much for being here today thank you philip i really enjoyed this i appreciate it